We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He tended to play a little too much hero ball. It's a no-brainer selection for Jacksonville. I believe he is a true leader in every sense of the word. I just fear for your fan base that that's what's going to happen. You are listening to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Day 6, the finale of the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. So much fun, and we're not done yet, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey as we take you through the rest of the first round. Four more picks in round one. We've got teams checking in who did not have first round picks either. We'll find out what's going on in the second and in some cases the third round where some teams will be picking for the first time in this 2021 NFL draft. I am Brian Peacock. Alongside me, my co-host for the Peacock and Williamson podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network every day. Matt Williamson, we're continuing on. Got experts ready to go. We've had over 70 experts from our Locked On NFL and college channels throughout this mock draft, Locked On NFL draft shows, and of course, our incredible lineup of Odyssey NFL insiders, which we will continue to hear from today. And remember, when the NFL draft rolls around on April 29th, we've got you covered with a live draft show with the Draft Network, which you can watch on the Locked On NFL YouTube page and listen live on the Odyssey app okay four more picks in round one matt and then some uh, second and third rounders some day two selections we'll hear from all the hosts by the end of this thing on the network on the nfl side what are your takeaways from the first five days and what do you expect to happen today here to finish this thing up what a blast i mean this extravaganza that we put together in our last installment really enjoyed it it's been great for the network i've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the listeners Really impressive how the so many people came together to put this thing together, and there aren't many picks that I would you know would be up in arms about. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of logic behind all the selections. You realize how pretty darn smart some of the folks are on our network. Some of our colleagues here, an impressive group, and I love being associated with all of them. Green Bay Packers, Peter Bukowski usually is a logical guy when it comes to uh, what he's going to do, so I'm interested to hear how they go. I think corners probably the top need on this team. Yeah. I know wide receiver has been something that has been mocked to Packers for years in round one. Doesn't seem like they want to go in that direction. I think they probably feel pretty good about what's going on a wide receiver, but they could use a playmaker, a different style of wide receiver. They've got those trees out there, those really tall, bigger wide receivers. I wonder if they might utilize a little athleticism here and have some fun on offense, uh, potentially give Aaron Rodgers some more weapons. Don't think they're going to go quarterback here, Matt, as they did last year, um, <laughs> right. although they could good. move their quarterback that they did select last year before the end of the NFL draft. Yeah, I, you know, I, I always look at this team and think corner would be great. There's not one that stands out, but Asante Samuel's a quality player. I think receivers are still a pretty big need, you know, I mean, and some of these space players that are out there, these dynamic um, fast slots, you know, the, I, I think would be fine. It's not their style of receiver though. 
the offensive line doesn't get mentioned to much because it's always good and Rodgers makes it look better than it is at times. But they lost maybe the best center in the league and, you know, Bakhtiari's not a young man. I, I've been bringing this up pick after pick, but Tevin Jenkins is available. I mean, you could plug him in somewhere on that line. So they have some options. I get the feeling maybe the Packers could be in a situation, seeing how this plays out, and it's very likely that the top four corners will be gone by this pick. Could they move up a little bit to go get one of those corners? And if corner is the position they're really targeting, maybe even move down out of the first round to a team that wants to sneak into the first round and draft a player and then have a better uh, better feel for the corners that might be there, the guys that aren't the true shutdown types that they might attack in round one. Yeah, that might make some sense. I mean, in terms of getting a starting corner for a team that's won 13 games two years in a row, you're a little bit in no man's land here. You know, I mean, I think Newsom's going to go high, though. I mean, Farley's the big wild card, and can he help you right away? So uh, it might be pretty pricey to move up, but moving back would make it would make a little bit of sense, too. Let's find out. Peter Bukowski is okay. ready to go with the Packers selection, number 29 overall in the Ultimate Mock Draft. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked on Packers. And with the 29th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Trayvon Merrig, safety from TCU. Of course, I would have preferred a cornerback in this spot. I was hoping one would fall. But guys like Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley, they went off the board. And I wasn't ready to take someone like Gafatu Melifanu from Syracuse or Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State who I do think Green Bay would have interest in here. Instead, I take someone that I think is a top 20 talent in this draft, one of the best cover players in the draft, even though he's a safety. He lined up in the slot at TCU more than any other place, although he can play free, he can play in the box. According to Pro Football Focus, no safety made more plays on the ball the last two seasons than Trey Merrig. And what he can do in this Packers defense is allow Darnell Savage to play a little bit of everywhere, allowed Adrian Amos to play a little bit of everywhere. And new defensive coordinator Joe Barry said he wants as many guys as possible who can play that star role, who can play the nickel. Well, Trey's ability to play in the slot allows him to be that guy or his ability to play deep would allow someone like Darnell Savage to be that guy. So while I wanted a cornerback, it doesn't take a true cornerback by position to help improve this Packers coverage unit. Okay, going with the safety. Did not see that coming. Trayvon yeah. Merrig from TCU for Peter Bukowski here in the Green Bay Packers. And the way he explains it there, I guess we shouldn't call him a safety. We just call him a defensive back in that way that he could play safety, but also he could play corner. And the way he was used at TCU, he could certainly continue to be used that way in the NFL. Yeah, this one had me scratching my head, but, you know, listening to what Peter had to say had a lot of logic behind it. I mean, indeed, I didn't mention before this pick was linebacker, and if you play a lot of big nickel with three safeties on the field and Amos could be your pseudo linebacker, that kind of alleviates that. You know, he mentioned mm -hmm. Darnell Savage, who's a very versatile player. Savage has a lot of slot experience and corner experience, so I get it. Um there were other directions I probably would have went, and I hadn't even this one hadn't even crossed my mind to be very honest. But Peter did back it up pretty strong, and this is a good spot for him to go. So player value yeah. wise, this is a nice place for a, a prospect like Trayvon Merrick to go in the first safety off the board, and I think he will be the first safety and deserves to be a first round player. Yeah, I, I have no problem with the value. That's for sure. 
I think he is going to go in the first round. Jason LaConfora is standing by to break down the selection of Trayvon Merrick to the Green Bay Packers at 29. Yes, I do believe you're looking at the best pure ball hockey, free safety in the draft right here. There's other guys who are more versatile, other guys who might uh, have a little more size, other guys who might be a little better in the box. But Murray is someone who can play center field. You can also do something that's imperative in today's game. Put him outside, put him in the slot, and feel comfortable that he can run with a Kelsey, run with a Kittle, help neutralize them. That aspect of modern football and these freak tight ends is not going away. I like his ball skills. I like the way he tracks the ball. I like his physicality. Yeah, there might be some others who perhaps have a little more upside, but I think if you're looking at somebody to come in, plug and play, who you could feel comfortable putting at free safety in the NFL out of this group, which isn't very good, this is your guy. What role would this young man best fill in Green Bay? That's an interesting question because I don't frankly get this pick. They took Darnell Savage, who for my money is one of the best young ball hawking safeties in the NFL. They signed Adrian Amos not that long ago from Chicago, an in-the-box safety, a thumper who's still very much in his prime. Those guys are in many ways the heartbeat of that secondary. They work great in tandem. Um, They've known each other for quite some time. So this would puzzle me a little bit. Then again, they moved up to take Jordan Love a year ago rather than take part at all in a generational wide receiver draft where maybe they could have put the offense over the top with Aaron Rodgers and found a way to get to a Super Bowl. Nevertheless, this is a bit of a head-scratcher for me. I think this would be a real luxury pick for the Packers, and given how deep this draft is at receiver and some other positions in need, boy, oh boy, this might have the cheeseheads up in arms. It's been a blast hearing from all of our college hosts on the network as well. Steven Simcox hosts the Locked On Horned Frogs podcast, and I'm sure he's got a lot to say about a player that has been a big-time performer on that TCU defense. Hey, everyone. This is Steven Simcox from Locked On Horned Frogs. I'm here to tell you about safety product from TCU, Trayvon Merrick. Looks like he's going to be a first-round pick. He's a really versatile player. He's been a three-year starter in Gary Patterson's 4-2-5 defense. Um, He can make plays in the box. He can come down. He's a sure tackler. He also has the quickness to cover wide receivers and running backs out of the backfield and the size and strength to hang with tight ends as well. At 6'2", a little over 200 pounds, he's an explosive player with a nose for the football. He had two interceptions in 2020, but in 2019, he had a really good season turning teams over four interceptions and two forced fumbles. He's a smart, instinctive player. I think would be a good fit on just about any team, but I'd love to see him in the middle or late first round with a contender or a team that kind of already has something going where he can fit into a defense sort of seamlessly. Trayvon Merrick should be a first-round pick. Excited to watch him grow over the next few seasons. Three more picks to go here in the first round of the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. The Buffalo Bills on the clock at 30 overall. Joe Marino co-host of the Draft Dudes, who's also the host of Locked on Bills, is standing by to make this selection for Buffalo at 30. What direction do you see a playoff team, a team that was nearly in the Super Bowl like the Buffalo Bills? What are they looking at here? How do you make this team better in the NFL draft, man? Yeah, I think a corner opposite Tredavis White would make a lot of sense. 
But no offense to Asante Samuel, I'm not sure that he's the physical guy that this team covets. So I'm not sure there's a, a corner that jumps out at me here. Um, the player I often mock to them that I really like the fit is Joe, Jason Oway out of Penn State because they love to rotate their defensive front and they could bring him along slowly as a rotational project player. And frankly, he's more talented than anyone they have on their defensive line. And I'm going to keep mentioning Tevin Jenkins until he gets picked too. Cause I mean, Buffalo said they want to run the ball more. <laughs> I mean, he's a masher. I could see him plowing through the snow, leading the way for, in the running game for Josh Allen or whomever. Drafted a couple of running backs recently. Uh, maybe it's time to fix the line up front. If you really want to be serious about running the football. So I could absolutely see that one. Joe Marino is ready with the 30th pick for the Buffalo Bills. I'm Joe Marino, host of the Locked On Bills podcast. For the 30th selection, the Buffalo Bills select Tevin Jenkins, offensive lineman from Oklahoma State. The NFL draft is all about value, and considering how the edge defenders and cornerbacks came off the board prior to the Bills selection, it pushed down a high-quality offensive line prospect in Tevin Jenkins that I could not pass up. It's always a good idea for the Bills to invest in protection for Josh Allen, and Jenkins has a reasonable path to becoming a day-one starter at guard for the Bills, where John Feliciano is entrenched as the right guard, but his contract is more year-to-year, and Cody Ford is penciled in as the left guard, but he's proven very little across his first two NFL seasons. Jenkins is a nasty run blocker that will immediately give the Bills a boost when it comes to run blocking, and pairing him with Feliciano would give Buffalo a pair of maulers at guard to help create more consistency for the Bills' offense when they want to run the football. With how the board fell, this was an easy selection. Your boy's off the board. He made it into round one. Tevin Jenkins, bully mentality. He's your guy here late in round one. I love it. I mean, it's about time he went. Um, he fits the town and the weather and all those sorts of things. I don't know that Buffalo will run the ball more. It's not like Jenkins is bad in protection either, and he tested a lot better than I expected that he would. But if they choose to or late in the season or host in the AFC championship game, he's going to be a crowd favorite, to say the least, with the Buffalo Bills. Sal Carpaccio of WGR Radio in Buffalo on the selection of Tevin Jenkins to the Buffalo Bills. Tevin Jenkins is a massive human being. He's six foot six, 320 pounds, and he brings all of that with him every single snap on the offensive line. He's a mauler. NFL teams are going to love the way he gets after people, especially the way he finishes in the run game. He doesn't just want to beat you. He wants to bury you. And you definitely need players like that on your offensive line. The other thing about him that's great is his versatility. At Oklahoma State, he's played guard, he's played tackle, he's played on both sides of the center. What scouts aren't going to love about Tevin Jenkins is his lack of athleticism and his lack of length, especially the lack of length if you want to put him at tackle because he's going to struggle against some longer edge rushers. His lack of athleticism is going to be a problem if he plays tackle, but I think he actually probably translates more to guard in the NFL. It's going to be very interesting to see where NFL teams want to place him. The addition of Tevin Jenkins to the Bills' offensive line gives Josh Allen yet another mauler up front that he can look at and say, 
I have confidence that this guy is going to protect me. As we know, Josh Allen loves to be mobile. He loves to run around. He loves to run with the football. Having someone like Tevin Jenkins in front of him gives him even more confidence to be able to do that to really expand his game. Last year, the Buffalo Bills went through several different offensive line combinations because of injuries. They never had John Feliciano until midway through the season because of an injury. Then they lost Cody Ford, the other guard, midway through the season for the rest of the year. Well, having a guy like Tevin Jenkins gives Josh a little more comfortability and stability in knowing, hey, if I lose one of my guys, I got another one to just plug right in and keep the train moving. Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12, covers Oklahoma State. Watch Tevin Jenkins push other Big 12 defenders around the conference. Well, everybody, Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Here today to talk about Tevin Jenkins, of Oklahoma State. The outstanding offensive lineman looks to be a first-round draft pick. He's got outstanding physicality. I love him as a run blocker. Some questions about him as a pass blocker, but can play some tackle. Probably going to end up playing some guard. I like him to go in the first round. I think a lot of good teams are going to be looking at him at the back half of that first round and I think he brings that intensity, that nastiness that you'd like to have in a great run blocking guard. I think he's have a nice NFL career and you'll definitely see him be called in the first round. My comparison, a lot of people say Joe Tooney seems to be the guy he gets a lot of name comparisons too. So love the nastiness, love his ability to block in the run game, question of the pass game, but still should be an excellent pick in the first round. More to come, two more selections to finish up round one, and then we've got the Colts, Seahawks, Rams, and Texans to make some day two selections, their first picks in this ultimate mock draft. Hey everybody, Trevor and Ben here. Final stretch, final couple of picks here for us to talk about and analyze. 29, Green Bay Packers went with safety Trayvon Merrick, and then at 30, the Buffalo Bills picked offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. I can't wait to get into this one, but Ben, I know you've got some words on Trayvon Merrick going to the Packers. Absolutely. I love Trayvon Merrick. I think Merrick is one of the best, uh, is the clear best safety in the draft, is one of the best defensive players in the draft. Now, Green Bay is is, is decently set at safety as it is right now. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, free agent from the Bears and then a first round pick from a couple years ago, currently on the roster. And so the question is, how are we going to get three safeties out on the field? Well, Merrick is a combo player. He's six foot 207, but he can play single high and he can play down in the box. So with Savage being also another box nickel sort of a player, you can get away with getting all three players on the field and being successful. The other thing to consider is Adrian Amos, who right now is due six million, but next year will be due 12 million, only four million of which would be dead money on a cut. Amos on the wrong is gonna be 29 actually at the time, so he's approaching 30. This does give you flexibility on that deal moving forward. As for Tevin Jenkins to the Bills, I mean, true best player available I guess for why you take him I mean he could potentially become a starter at guard for them which would make for a really mean offensive line I mean this is Joe said that Tevin Jenkins should not have been on the board and he's totally right I just this offensive line is not a need at all for the Buffalo Bills so you know what Joe is playing the draft game as a purist he's taking the best player on the board Jenkins should have been gone well before this I guess <laughs> there are far worse picks to make than, I guess, going for a guy that you really believe in in the trenches. So that's picks 29 and 30 final picks of this ultimate mock draft coming up. With the trade before day six of this mock draft, it is now the Baltimore Ravens on the clock. Their second selection in round one, picking at 31, trading an offensive tackle. Bat, do they just replace an offensive tackle with an offensive tackle here 
at the back end of round one? I think it's a possibility. I mean, what we don't know set in stone is, is Al Villanueva coming or going with, with the, the Ravens. I assume he's going to be there, but only for one year. And he's not a superstar. He's never played on really on the right side anyway to replace Orlando Brown. So that certainly could be in the cards. As usual, this team has a lot of draft capital. They got a lot for next year as well. So they can go in a lot of different directions. How do you think the Ravens did on this trade? Trading away a guy who wants out of town and getting some pretty solid value. I think that it's obvious that the Chiefs didn't want to just give up uh, a first-round selection. So a number of picks involved here, but still the value is you know not far beyond what the 31st pick I think would be by itself with all the picks that changed hands between the two teams. And for a player that wants out, uh, not a bad deal, I guess, for both teams and obviously Kansas City. Blindside protector, someone who wants to play, can play on the left side, and that's tougher to find here at pick 31. Kansas City gave up a big asset in this pick, of course, and now they have to pay him, and that's easier said than done with Mahomes' contract. I mean, Brown is at that stage now where he's going to get big money. But you look at the Chiefs' offensive line, it's a lot better going into the draft than I expected, that's for sure. I mean, when the Super Bowl ended, I didn't expect this line to be in this good a shape. And as for the Ravens, kind of like I alluded to, they want lots of picks. I mean, that's their philosophy. Mm -hmm. Let's take a lot of cracks at this thing. They're comp pick masters. You know, they always end up with extra picks. So I think they want as many cracks as they could possibly get. And it also gives them a lot of flexibility to move up if there's somebody that they love, you know, particularly maybe in the second round. Well, let's find out. Kevin Ostriker ready to go, the host of Locked On Ravens, to make the selection now with Baltimore sitting at 31. The Baltimore Ravens are back on the clock at pick number 31 after trading Orlando Brown Jr. to the Kansas City Chiefs. And with the 31st selection in the 2021 Locked on NFL Mock Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Liam Eikenberg, the tackle out of Notre Dame. Now, Baltimore could have traded back to make this pick, but they want to get their guy instead of risking the fact that he might not be there at the pick they trade back to. And for Eikenberg, the 6'6", 305-pound behemoth would give the Ravens two bookend Notre Dame tackles with Ronnie Stanley manning the left tackle spot for the Baltimore Ravens. And for Eichenberg, he did play left tackle at Notre Dame for three years, so he would have to transition over to the right side, but that is his better fit at the NFL level. He is a mauler in the run game and is a lot better in run blocking than pass protection, but still has the ability to be an NFL-ready and day-one impact starter for the Ravens. And there is a big hole for the Ravens at the right tackle position. So if they believe Eichenberg is their guy, they could select him at pick 31 because Eichenberg certainly has the talent to be that guy for the Ravens. And they did go offensive tackle here, Matt. Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame could play left side, could play right side, could play inside at guard. But I think a player that, you know, this is around the area you start to see someone like Liam Eichenberg go. The one thing that I worry about, arm length, I think some teams might view him more as a guard than a tackle. But maybe that helps going from left side to right side. It's easier to project him at right tackle than left tackle. I don't know if the, even the whole right side, left side thing even matters as much in this day and age. Yeah, and these Notre Dame guys, including his new teammate Stanley, have a, a good history of coming in and playing well. Um, I think the key with the Eichenberg pick here is kind of like you said, he can play anywhere but center, you know, and at some point he's going to factor in and maybe throughout his career he bounces around in that line, but he's going to play and he's going to play somewhere. I, I like this pick a lot. I mean, you got to remember, this is a win now team. They're not in the 
let's not develop tackles for you know three years down the road. We need a guy to help us win this thing right now. Our Odyssey expert, Jay Binkley, reaction on the pick of Liam Eikenberg to Baltimore. Liam Eichenberg, tackle Notre Dame, six foot six, three hundred and two pounds, was a graduate student at Notre Dame with tons of starting experience. Matter of fact, he was second team All American behind only Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, who won the Outland Trophy. They actually played against each other in the college football playoffs as well. Put it this way, he's the only tackle in the country with over 400 passing attempts by Ian Book at quarterback, did not allow a sack. As a matter of fact, 1,188 snaps have taken place, and he hasn't allowed a sack. You have to go all the way back to week five of 2018 that Liam Eisenberg has allowed a sack. Now, when you look at his pro day, when you look at his comments of his head coach, people are thinking right tackle. Does he have the athleticism to play left tackle? Question mark is the wingspan at 79 inches. His arms are under 33 inches. That's the big question for Liam Eisenberg. Will he play in the inside or will he be a right tackle? Serviceable left tackle could happen for Liam Eisenberg. A.J. Black of Locked On ACC joining us once again. Another Notre Dame prospect, this time offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg. This is A.J. Black from Locked On Boston College here to talk about Liam Eichenberg, an offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Eichenberg is an intriguing prospect as a 6'6", 305-pound tackle who has shown that he can be as elite of a tackle as anyone in the nation. He did not allow a single sack in 2020. Now, there's no doubt that he could be successful in the NFL in the right scheme, but there are still questions about whether he would be an NFL first-round draft pick, given that there is so much talent tackle in this current class. He is fundamentally sound. He has good footwork. He can do it all. The only questions with him has to do with speed. Against NFL rushers that have good agility and speed, they may be able to beat him to the outside, which could cause some problems at the NFL level. Will he go in the first round? We will have to wait till the NFL draft to get that answer. We have come to the final selection of round one. The Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now on the clock. Matt, when do you start to think about replacing Tom Brady at quarterback. Dark horse quarterback spot here? I don't know. Uh, they have some other needs, but uh, they've done a lot in free agency to really almost the entire team bringing it back for another run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing back 22 starters off the best team in the league. I mean, it used to be Super Bowl teams would just get pillaged in free agency and people spend too much money on guys with, with rings. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants to come back. That Brady effect is strong, obviously. They could do anything. I mean, would a sixth quarterback to finish up the, the first round blow me away and then you get that extra fifth-year option? Probably not, but I probably would trade down 10, 15 picks if yeah. I was going to go quarterback here. You, I don't think you have to do it now. And those teams at the top of round two probably won't snipe them from you. Uh, Christian Barmore, we haven't seen a defensive tackle go yet, is a guy I often mock here. Uh, Namakong Su's a rental, and you know you could bring Barmore along slowly. Uh, Owe would also make some sense, as I mentioned before, you know, as a project for tomorrow that could hit big for you. This is a tough team because they don't really need anything. It was a lot of one-year deals, though. You've got yeah, yeah. Chris Godwin on the franchise tag, so wide receiver, defensive end, defensive tackle. Absolutely, I could all see those positions going here to try to replace those guys eventually that are on one-year deals. You're going to have to move on from some of those players. They're back for one more run, but probably not two or three more runs. 
And if I was a team builder, when in doubt, give me another defensive lineman. You know, just bring them in waves like a hockey line. David and James of Locked On Bucks are ready to go with this pick. 32 in the ultimate mock draft. Take it away. What's up, guys? David Harrison and James Yarko here from the Locked On Buccaneers podcast to announce the 32nd overall pick in the 2021 Locked On NFL mock draft. And of course, as you know, we've seen quite a few edge rushers come off the list. We saw Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, go off much earlier than anticipated. The Buccaneers were in a position where they could take the best player available on their board, and they went with edge rusher out of the University of Miami, Gregory Rousseau. Yeah, and adding Gregory Rousseau to that edge rusher depth, uh, especially behind a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's in a contract year, also getting a little bit older. He's dealt with a litany of injuries, continues to play through those injuries, but the question has to be how much longer can JPP continue to perform at a high level with all those injuries happening and then another year about to go under his belt, giving Gregory or so a year to develop behind Jason Pierre-Paul, also with Shaquille Barrett in the group. Anthony Nelson gives him good depth for 2021 and two shots when you count Nelson as, a, as for finding another starter beginning in 2022 potentially. Yeah, and with Rousseau, even though he only had the one year of collegiate experience, he is an athletic freak at six foot seven. So the concerns are there that he only has the one year of experience, but developing behind JPP, behind Shaq Barrett, with the help of the Buccaneers coaching staff and Todd Bowles there, he can impact the team right out of the gate as a rotational guy as he continues to develop his skills and potentially become a long-term starter on the Buccaneers defense. Okay, maybe even a little bit of both, right? Defensive end that could kick inside sometimes in Gregory Rousseau. So defensive lineman, he's got the length that you look for. I think you feel a lot better about Gregory Rousseau at pick 32 just because uh, lack of some of the athletic numbers. Maybe he's not dynamic coming off the edge. Felt a little high earlier on in round one, but a rotational player onto the defense with some stars currently and then potentially be a starter of the future. The more I think about it, the more I like this pick of Gregory Rousseau to the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, and before his pro day, nobody would think this guy got to 32. Mm -hmm. And his pro day wasn't that awful. I mean, his first, his first 10 yards were elite. He's obviously very, very long. He just didn't show explosion in his jumps. Okay, I mean, there's still a lot to work with here. Boy, he has some Pierre Paul-like similarities, though, too. You know, is that base left defensive end. And as you mentioned, on passing downs, especially when you have a lead, you know, Brady gets you out to a 15, or 14, 15 point lead in the fourth quarter. Hey, Gregory, line up over the guard as he often did at Miami and rush the pass. Luckily for us, we get one more baldy breakdown here. What about Gregory Rousseau, the big, long defensive end out of Miami? Greg Rousseau from the University of Miami is like a lot of edge rushers in this draft. He shows a world of promise and upside without a lot of production. He really only played one year, 2019. And even in 2019, where he had 19 and a half tackle for losses and 15 and a half sacks, he didn't start every game for Miami. But what he did show, I saw him line up on the nose. He rushed a lot from the inside over the guard and outside. He makes a lot of plays on hustle and chasing. I think he needs a ton of refinement. But he's got tools, though. I mean, he's six foot six plus. He's 265 pounds. He's long lean. He could put on muscle. But he has to learn how to rush the passer. I mean, right now, he's just working off his ability and his ability to get off blocks with long arms. But I think if somebody wants to really spend time and develop Greg Rousseau, you might get a really good player in a year or two. 
it might be a really great pick for Tampa to look at Greg Rousseau, if he's available at 32, when they pick the last pick in the first round. I mean, they brought back Shaq Barrett, somehow re-signed him, extended him. They've got Jason Pierre-Paul, and they harassed Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 55 all Sunday afternoon long. But Jason Pierre-Paul's not going to play forever. It'd be great if they could start kind of preparing the next guy. Um, I just think that he needs a lot of work. He needs a lot of practice time. Going up against Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs in practice would be really good. It'd be great to be around a Shaq Barrett who has a cross chop. He has a variety of moves. A Jason Pierre-Paul who's also long and lanky and really knows how to use his arms and his length and his strength to be able to get to the quarterback. be a great way to kind of learn and grow and maybe take over one day in Tampa. In another ACC pick here, this time we'll hear the player and prospect that is Gregory Rousseau. Brandon Olson here. At nearly six foot seven, 266 pounds, Greg Rousseau is one of the most intriguing edge prospects in the whole draft class this year. He has just one year of production, but he had 15 sacks in that year and he was a force throughout on both the edge and when he bumped inside. He'll have to put on weight in order to do that at the NFL, likely, but it's possible he could do that. And as a former receiver, his hand usage is phenomenal and second to really none in this class. And now five selections to go on day two of this ultimate mock draft. Kansas City no longer has a first round pick. We'll be hearing from them at pick 58. We've got the Indianapolis Colts, Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, and Houston Texans coming up. Hey everybody, Trevor Sycamore from Locked On NFL Draft and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes here with you to recap picks 31 and 32 in this ultimate mock draft. I'll go first and I'm talking about the Baltimore Ravens now picking at number 31 after their Orlando Brown trade and here's the deal with this one. It makes sense, right? I mean, they're moving on from an offensive tackle. They're getting to slide one right back in there. I'm not so sure that they're going to just trade away an offensive tackle to draft one again, but maybe that's what they want to do. And if that's the case, certainly because Orlando Brown was already a solidified starter for them, Liam Eikenberg does make sense. This is a guy who's got a high floor as a prospect. I think he's very experienced. He's very poised. He understands what he's doing already. And this is one of the few players, I think, in the back half of the first round that you can draft in this offensive tackle class and still get immediate starting value out of. A lot of the other guys, they're athletic upside players. You like him in the future, but year one, might be a struggle. Eichenberg, he could give you that profile as a player who could start right away, which if they want to go offensive line to replace Orlando Brown, this is the way to do it. At 32, the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what do you get the team that won the Super Bowl and is effectively bringing everybody back? Well, you go with a high value position with a pass rusher, Gregory Rousseau, who I think is a really interesting projection into Tampa Bay. You think about where Gregory Rousseau wins best. A lot of times it was on the inside. You think about having Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett. You want to put Gregory Rousseau inside on the B-gap and let him rush as a passer with either one of those two guys outside of him. That's the potential on third and longs for Gregory Rousseau, but this is probably more of a long-term play. I think Gregory Rousseau is going to be best served bulking up a little bit in the NFL. Uh, can't go wrong with pass rushers. There's no such thing as too many good offensive linemen, too many good corners. 
Uh, too many good pass rushers. Tampa Bay is already a well-established roster in multi- both, most of those areas. So here, maybe perhaps just the best player available at a high-value position for the Bucks. If you missed day four of the action, you will have missed the trade that put the Dallas Cowboys back into round one and moved the Indianapolis Colts from 21 to 44. What do the Colts need? They actually, it's interesting because they didn't make a huge impact in free agency, and then now they move down in the draft, which is something they like to do and collect those day two picks, but now have not made a big impact in the draft either. Yeah, I mean, they are all about their second round picks, which make a lot of economic sense. You don't get the fifth year option, but that's not quite as attractive as it used to be. You know, you get a lot of cheap labor for four plus years in the second round. And really, a lot of these second round picks aren't much different than the end of the first round type of guys, too. The needs remain the same. Right now, they don't really have a left tackle, um, an edge rusher to maybe replace or supplement Justin Houston if they bring him back. Maybe a Xavier Rhodes long corner type as well. But they're pretty well set. Those three spots really stand out. Round two action on the Ultimate Mock Draft. Evan Sidery of Locked On Colts making the selection at 44. Hello, this is Evan Sidery, host of Locked On Colts here. And we are currently doing backflips right now in the war room because we just got the guy that we wanted number 21 overall and number 44 overall after trading back with the Dallas Cowboys, recouping the Carson Wentz trade pretty much, giving number 21 for number 44, number 75, number 99, and a third-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. That gives us now four picks in the next two rounds, three in the next 31 picks. So this is where Chris Ballard does his damage, and we're following the exact same formula here. And we get Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle out of Texas, with number 44 overall pick in the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. He is really a plug-and-play option for us. Very athletic, a team captain out of Texas. Fits the blue star mold that we've been talking about here on the podcast for a while now. Cosme, getting him at 44, we think is an absolute home run steal. The best pick, in my opinion, of the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft so far. Plug and play option next to Quentin Nelson. Fits all the things we want to replace Andy Costanzo at left tackle. We are locking in Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle out of Texas, with number 44 overall pick in the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft after moving back from 21 to 44 and also recouping a couple extra picks in the process. No-brainer pick here for the Colts. Samuel Cosme, if he's there, might be a little bit of a project, but he's got the the prototype length athleticism you're looking for in someone that could be a left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I think they'd be really happy to get Cosme here. I mentioned him at the end of round one once or twice. Um, You know, he is a left tackle, you know, the prototype, more or less. He's not going to really mash you in the run game, but he is a a lighter-footed guy. Uh, moves really well in that dome. Uh, I think this would be a no-brainer pick if he's sitting there at 44. It is possible that he does get there just because there are some very rough edges to figure out with yes, him. And yes. technique-wise, he might not be exactly ready to plug in and play, but he does project at that left tackle, which is a, a huge benefit for any prospect. And Samuel Cosme does have that athleticism. Uh, let's go now to the Seattle Seahawks. They don't come up until pick 56 in round two. Corbin Smith, he's ready to go. What do you think? Seattle Seahawks, they've been a very odd team, and they love to move down, so maybe a team that could be on the move up or back in this draft from 56. They only have three total picks, right, in this entire draft, so uh, maybe add some more picks. They've not been great at using first-rounders anyway, so traded for a veteran. Now they've got a second-round pick, which they've been a little bit better at utilizing. 
they could really go in a lot of directions. I mean, the pass rush has been problematic for a while. That wouldn't hurt either inside, outside, any kind of pass rush you could get. I don't know that a corner would be a terrible addition as well. Why not get more more help for Russell Wilson? I really like the uh, Gerald Everett signing as a third pass catcher, but what if they got yet another receiver or even a receiving back, you know, like uh, you know, a, a pass-catching type back to complement Carson? I mean, here's a crazy thought. Could this be a quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> it could be. I mean, look, this, this could be a divorce very soon within the next 12 months. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think that ship has sailed. They're going to roll with Russell Wilson one more time. Do you help him out? Do you try to placate him? Do you try to make nice and, and maybe get an offensive lineman, a playmaker for him on offense, make him feel better about sticking around? Or do you realize, oh, this is going to end at some point, so let's get started and maybe we find the next Russell Wilson here on day two? I mean, it would not send the greatest message. But Green Bay did it, and Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. That's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it would be fun to see how Seahawks fans would react to such a selection. Let's find out. Let's see what Corbin Smith has up his sleeve at pick number 56 in this ultimate mock draft. This is Corbin Smith with Locked On Seahawks with the 56th selection in the 2021 NFL Draft. The Seattle Seahawks select center Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater. I believe the Seahawks will try everything in their power to trade down at least one time as they currently have only three draft picks and be looking to recoup a few of those selections later in the draft. But if a player like Miners remains available at pick 56, this is a major position of need for Seattle. They need a long-term starter at the pivot position. Miners played guard for Wisconsin Whitewater, but looked like a natural at center playing in the Senior Bowl against top competition. This guy's mean, he's nasty, and far more athletic than advertised at 320 pounds. Has the ability to block zone blocking scheme as well as man and downhill blocking schemes. He'd be a perfect fit from a stylistic standpoint for Seattle's offense and would have a shot to compete with Ethan Posick for a starting position right away. This would be a player the Seahawks simply could not pass up with their second round selection. Really, this is the darling of this draft process, right, Matt? He showed up with a half shirt at the Senior Bowl, and everybody loves the dude, and he dominated at the Senior Bowl, right? So I don't think anybody helped their draft stock more pre-draft than Quinn Miners did from January to April. Yeah, really interesting prospect. Very good athlete, tough physical I mean, go YouTube this guy. There, there's uh, videos of him. Every year he goes to some fishing camp in the middle of nowhere, kind of like Rocky Balboa getting ready to fight in, fight the big Russian, you know, just ripping down trees and throwing around kegs and really easy guy to like. I think he's a really good football player too. This is a nice pick. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's climbing up the, the mock draft boards as well. So pick 56 feels about right. I don't think he's getting around one or anything like that. But the days of thinking, ah, maybe you grab this guy in round three, nice little small school prospect. I think those days are over. I think the second round is a nice spot for him. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely going on day two. And to your point, I doubt that he gets out of the second round. And actually, you know, looking ahead at the draft board, the team that's up next, it will be their first pick too, the, the Rams. I bet they would love a guy like him. The Rams absolutely could use that style happy of player. Yeah. Uh, the Rams could go a number of directions. They're really a Stars and Scrubs roster there, and so they have to build out the depth with these later picks without all their first-round selections and so much money spent on high-priced players 
on that roster. Uh, Sosa Kremenges is the host of Locked On Rams. He's going to be making this selection in just a minute. Uh, any any certain players, prospects, fits you like here in the second round for the Rams? O-line makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, Whitworth's not a young man, to say the least. Uh, center, as I mentioned, makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're not a real deep team. I mean, they lost some secondary pieces. Uh, anything around Aaron Donald will be useful. They're a hard team to, to guess, but you know, I mean, O-line would probably be the direction I would lean. Losing defensive coordinators two years in a row, maybe just throw some more talent at the defensive side of the ball to make sure you're not dropping off a cliff there on that side of the ball as well. So uh, I can yeah, see yeah. I can see any number of directions here for Sosa of Locked On Rams. Let's go to the pick at 57 overall in the Ultimate Mock Draft. I'm Sosa Kremenges, your host of the Locked On Rams podcast. And for the 57th overall pick, the Los Angeles Rams select Jason Owe, edge rusher out of Penn State. And this one was a bit of a tough decision for me because I contemplated a handful of players at this spot, including Christian Barmore, another edge rusher in Gregory Rousseau, as well as other players on the offensive line like Dylan Radins. But I figured, you know, at this point in time, when you look at Jason Owe, his elite athleticism, I thought it was worth a shot at this point in the draft. He's going to slot in across from a guy like Leonard Floyd, probably as a day one starter. If not, definitely rotate with other guys with potential like Terrell Lewis, as well as Obanai Okoronkwo. Now, talking about Jason Owe's game, didn't have any sacks last season at Penn State, which is obviously a very surprising statistic for an edge rusher, especially for a guy that's as athletic as Jason Owe is. Now, he leaves a little bit to be desired with his pass rush plan, and some of the pass rushing moves, as well as his hand usage, definitely needs to develop in that area, but that's why he's available at this pick. And when you look at the athleticism from his pro day, downright all-time numbers from the edge rusher spot some of the most insane athleticism and freaky numbers that we've ever seen and trust me that does translate to his tape and would very well translate over to the combine had they had it this year too so I think when you look at the athleticism you look at some of his very good play against the run showing the ability to win on the boundary on the corner of a tackle through a tackle and through the face of a tackle across the face of a tackle last year at Penn State and that's enough for me to believe that you know, this is a guy with not only a lot of potential, but he's flashed at times and has shown the ability to actually win too. Now, he needs to just become more consistent, continue to develop, add some different pass rushing moves, continue to work on the counters. And at the end of the day, you know, this is a guy with very, very high upside at this point in the draft. And I think he's going to slot in very nicely in that defense for the Rams and would be an immediate upgrade at that edge two spot. Maybe some wishful thinking now that we've seen those pro day workouts. And, and even if you're factoring in uh, a fast track at Penn State, maybe uh, a quick trigger finger on some of these times and workouts, Jason Owe had an all-timer defensive end workout at Penn State. And I think 57 would be the floor floor for, for that <laughs> yeah. prospect. I mean, he, we are talking about a guy with zero sacks. He did have some disruption. And as we know, disruption equals production. So even though there's no sacks, there is some production there, but still very raw. He could fall in the second round. 57 might be a little a little far. Yeah, I mean, a rare body type, rare explosion, rare traits. Uh, I understand, as you mentioned, no sacks, and, and that's fine. But he shows up on tape pretty consistently. I think he had five sacks a year before, so it's not like he's, you know, uh, unable to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this would be great. I just don't know that he gets to 57. A young, dynamic, moldable edge rusher for the Los Angeles Rams at 57. The Kansas City Chiefs now on the clock with their first selection in this ultimate mock draft. The big need for them coming in here was offensive tackle. They utilized their draft capital in the first round and some other picks to make sure they have their left tackle now in Orlando Brown. So, it seemed to be a team that doesn't have so many needs anymore now. So, where do you look for Kansas City to go here with the 58th pick? Yeah, uh, they could go in a lot of directions. I mean, you still want to attack the tackle position. Um, Long has played tackle at times. They drafted Lucas Nang, who I think they have high hopes for as a starter this year. Maybe you could even call Fisher or Schwartz back if need be, although that gets pretty pricey. But the line's in good shape all of a sudden. It makes me think that they, you know, a front seven difference maker would make some sense, a linebacker that could really run. But knowing Andy Reid and how this team's bread's been buttered over the years, how about another weapon? You know, just give me the most dynamic guy they can find. More speed? That would not be surprising at all on the offensive side of the ball, but a front seven player might be a little bit more practical. Let's find out. Going to Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs for the pick at 58. I'm Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs. And with the 31st pick, the Kansas City Chiefs have executed a trade with the Baltimore Ravens moving from 31st down to 58th in return for Orlando Brown and a package of other picks. So now that brings us to the Chiefs' selection at 58th, the first of this draft as it stands today. And they're going to be looking for somebody that can add some kind of dynamic playmaking ability to this roster. With selection 58, the Kansas City Chiefs select Diami Brown, wide receiver, North Carolina, because he does what they need. He can get behind the defense. It's a deep ball threat, big body, long arm that can play the X and help them out be another receiver that can get in that crew and run with McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, and compliment Travis Kelsey. Along with the blocking up front that they had to get done with the trade, now the Kansas City Chiefs add another weapon, make themselves a little bit more versatile, and give Patrick Mahomes all the options he needs. You nailed it, Matt. They're going with the speed, adding some <laughs> some athletic ability and a big play machine on the outside in Diami Brown. He's not necessarily a blazer. He's not that 4-3 guy, but mid-4-4s at his pro day. But he's so good setting up those routes and those double moves and getting deep on the outside. I think this is about the neighborhood he's going to go. I think he's a second-round uh, pick all day long. He's got size. He's got downfield ability. He's got some physicality to him. I, I think he's a good complement. I mean... Sort of has, or probably probably play that Sammy Watkins role at least for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that X receiver, the guy on the outside. Yeah. He's not the he's not the jitterbug type that you put in the slot and catch and run stuff. You want him on the outside, and he can be your number three and come in, and then you you're moving other players into the slot and let him go on the outside and try to get deep and let Patrick Mahomes let that arm talent of his rip and make some big plays down the field. Yeah, and I just think they're going to keep bringing in every year or two. They're going to bring a high draft pick skill guy in. I mean, that's just how this team's going to work. And now we are on the last pick of this mock draft, the one team we have not heard from yet, not selecting until round three, number 67 overall, the Houston Texans. Uh, we've talked about some of they these. They might really... be the team that needs to pick the most. <laughs> no, they need the most picks. They got the, the least. They ought to wait the longest. We talked about some of those playoff teams. What do you get for the team that has everything? What do you get for the team that needs everything? I am a little bit speechless here. Uh, I mean... Their offensive line's actually pretty decent now after, you know, using a lot of resources on Tunsil and first-round picks. 
but they could probably use an interior guy. I mean, receivers outside of Brandon Cooks, sure. I mean, they signed a bunch of old running backs. I mean, you could go that direction. What about a quarterback? I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. A quarterback because yeah. they might just literally need another body at quarterback now that they did not expect. And they, they should yeah. probably not expect that Deshaun Watson at this point will be playing football for them. Uh, they probably feel okay about the, the stopgap starter they have. But if the right guy is there at 67, quarterback absolutely could be a pick here for the Texans. Or anything on defense. I mean, just a, you know, a paint with a broad brush. There, I would just take the best player available every step of the way if I'm Houston. All right, Cody and John standing by in the Locked On Texans war room. Who is their best player available? Round three of this ultimate mock draft. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, Cody Davis of Locked On Texans, your team every day. With the 67th pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Caden Stearns, safety from Texas. Now, what drew me to Stearns is his ability to keep the action in front of him, which is something that the Houston Texans desperately need in order to prevent the opposing teams from creating big plays down the field, especially when you consider the Texans' inability to stop the run last season, which is by far one of Stearns' biggest assets as a safety. In 2018, during his freshman year, Stearns took home the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year honors, but unfortunately, a knee injury kind of derailed his career at UT, but he had a bounce back season last year that showed flashes of the guy that he was in his freshman season. In three years at UT, Stearns finished his career with 175 tackles, five interceptions, and two sacks. Matt, tell me about Caden Stearns. He's a local product there out of the state of Texas. Yeah, he went to the University of Texas. Safety that tested very well. Um, my impression of him is he's better the further he is from the line of scrimmage. Not a real, real physical guy. You don't want him taking on blocks. You don't want him doing pseudo linebacker stuff. But he can handle the deep middle, preferably a, a cover two type safety off the ball. I mean, you're picking 67 with your first selection. It's a little hard to be critical of you know, what direction they go. Yeah, fantastic workouts for Caden Stearns at the Texas Pro Day. Just a hair under six feet tall, 202 pounds, 4-4 flat, 40-yard dash. Fastest 10-yard split, I think, of the entire safety hmm. class. So he can absolutely get after it. And so that explosion, that speed, deep middle of the field type player in the, in the middle of the draft. Yeah. And again, I mean, how critical are we going to be for the team that needs everything that doesn't yeah. have any draft resources? So, I mean, it, it could be a long year for the Texans. Well, even if it's a long season in Houston, Texans fans still have locked on Texans every day to get them through it. All right, good stuff. That was fun. Any big takeaways from the selections we saw from all of our Locked On hosts in this one's and uh, all of the breakdowns from all of our Odyssey experts and our pick experts from the college side of the network? Quite the endeavor. I'm blown away every year how well everybody comes together and how the finished product ends up being. And as much as that, uh, these hosts just know their team so well. I mean, you know the Niners so unbelievably well, and all the other hosts of their, their teams know these guys, the, the team so thoroughly. It really, really blows me away. And, and then we get the, you know, the, the other people who come in and talk about the, the colleges they represent and just so many different angles on these players. I love it. Absolutely. It's so much fun. Uh, speaking of, let's go back to our draft analysts from the Locked On NFL Draft Show, Trevor and Ben, to break down the biggest risers of this mock draft. 
Hey everybody, Trevor Sikkiman, Benjamin Solak from Locked On NFL Draft, recapping this draft with our biggest risers. For me, it was J.C. Horn going in the top 10, but even more importantly than the top 10, he goes in front of Patrick Sertan. You know, we had J.C. Horn going 9 to the Denver Broncos. We had Patrick Sertan going 10 to the Dallas Cowboys. And so Sertan, I mean, that was that was status quo. He went at 10. We figure he's going to go 10. That's been the prediction for the long time for the Cowboys. But I did not think that, one, Horn was going to go above him and that Horn was going to go to the, the Denver Broncos. They've done a good job of, I think, really putting some resources during free agency into that secondary. And I just did not expect this one. I feel like Horn is going to be a... I don't know, to be safe, let's just say a 10 to 20 kind of a guy. I do not think that he is going to be a top 10 player, but I can see why people love him. He's aggressive, he's a fun player to watch, and he's a fun player to believe in. So maybe the man coverage style was just too much for Cody to pass up there. I mean, yeah, I like J.C. Horn as, as a contender for corner one. So that that one to me is it's interesting, but it's not too surprising. For me, we got two running backs in the first round here. Uh, the second one being Travis Etienne at 24 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers are rumored to be really in on Najee Harris. He went six picks ahead to the Miami Dolphins. And so unfortunately, uh, not on the board, but the Steelers could have gone Eric Stokes, corner out of Georgia, in need of an outside corner. They could have gone. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle at Oklahoma State. They need help at both tackle and guard. Liam Meikenberg, who went to Kansas City. All of these guys are available. Help the running game with the offensive line, shore up the defense. But but they the Steelers stuck to the, the running back idea and took running back two off the board. Etienne, yeah. a, a good player, a fast player, but not a player that you see in really any first-round mocks jumps up into the first round. Now, the Steelers have done for a long time drafting players who don't usually show up in first round mocks in the first round when push comes to shove so if there's a team to do it it's them but i was surprised to see etn make it to the top 32 that's true man that was so much fun it was it was great getting to sit back and kind of just analyze a mock draft instead of having to stressfully make all the picks for ourselves so that was a very fun exercise those were who we thought the biggest risers of the draft were draft dudes coming up next giving you the biggest players that they thought went way lower than they should have thanks everybody for listening Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino of the Draft Dudes. This mock draft is in the books, but not without a couple of players who rose and fell up and down the board. Some of the biggest fallers in this mock draft. We talked about Mac Jones in the buildup to this mock draft and the actual 2021 NFL draft as a potential contender to get to the number three overall spot. He ends up falling all the way to 15 into the laps of the New England Patriots. Uh, the quarterback market, you were wondering what Denver was going to do at nine. If you were going to see team like Chicago or Washington trade up, Trey Lance falling to eight, I don't think helped Mac Jones's case. Uh, but him going to 15 after being in that conversation for number three, almost halfway down the first round order for Mac Jones is a bit of a tumble. Kyle, how about Jason Oway, the Penn State edge rusher, falling completely out of the first round? And, you know, I, I get it from one perspective in that the production wasn't really there. He didn't he, he didn't even have a sack last year, but the traits are just impossible to ignore. His blend of size, length, athleticism, like ridiculous athleticism. And for a guy that didn't have any sacks, he still had a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And I, I have a hard time believing that in the draft that we're going to see at the end of the month that a team's not going to be willing to take a gamble on a guy with his type of physical upside uh, you think about pass rushers like bosa four and a half sacks his final year daniel hunter his career at lsu and the lack of sack production there it's not everything uh but some of the guys who are going to prevent or try to prevent guys like jason away from racking up sacks in the nfl 
Offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins falling into the laps of the Buffalo Bills at number 30 overall. Obviously, they made a recent investment in Cody Ford, ends up playing inside. You have Darrell Williams there. This is a player in Tevin Jenkins who is really going to help kickstart the run game and create a ton of push up front for a Bills offense that played a ton of 10 personnel. They love to stretch the field, space the field. But now you got a guy on the right side of the offensive line who can help reset that offensive line and just create an even more lethal offense to try to defend if you are facing the Buffalo Bills. The last word in this ultimate mock in 2021 is going to come from your old buddy, your old podcast pal in Ross Tucker. He's got the winners and losers of this ultimate mock draft. So I think the clear winner of this mock draft, in my mind, it's the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm I'm saying that because it's really simple. They got Kyle Pitts. I mean, if any player in this draft, I'm I'm not going to say anybody's a guaranteed Hall of Famer, right? But the guy I feel best about in this draft, potentially wearing a gold jacket one day, it's Kyle Pitts. I mean, he is going to be a difference-making player. I think as a rookie, you think about George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, I think Kyle Pitts will be in that mix right away. I really, truly believe that he is that good, that he'll be in the mix right away. As for the team I didn't care for, what are the Miami Dolphins doing? Najee Harris at 18? At 18? I mean, we've just seen too many good running backs, second, third round, to use the 18th overall pick on Najee Harris. I know the Alabama connection with Tua, but I would have rather them gotten somebody else like an edge rusher like Ojolari or a linebacker like Parsons and then gotten a running back in the second round. Massive thanks to all of our Odyssey experts that joined us all week long. And that's it. Another year, another mock draft. The Ultimate Mock 2021 in the book. So much fun. I've got to thank everybody who is involved. Uh, None more so than my co-host on the Peacock and Williamson show. We're pulling double duty this week and this Ultimate Mock Draft. You did a great job, man. So did you. You do a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't realize here to make this thing all go. Uh, Great stuff from from you. And I got to admit, doing this, this exercise really makes me clamor for the real draft i mean i can't wait for thursday and friday and saturday i mean it's been a long time coming yeah the real thing is fun and it's fun to host this thing they kind of go back and listen to it and it does fill that void of come on can the draft get here well let's let's do this run through version this ultimate mock draft and it's kind of like the real thing you get to have a lot of fun with it and pretty soon we are actually going to get the real draft later on this week i can't wait had a lot of fun i can't wait to do this again next year absolutely absolutely it's a fun thing to do every year awesome stuff And we'll talk to you then. We'll talk to you daily on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. All of your pro and college teams covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.